0: Good morning. The United States has a new national security strategy. The number one adversary is China. A Ukrainian reporter in Kyiv discusses missile strikes, bomb shelters, and nuclear threats. And Narcan, an anti-overdose drug, will be available behind the bar in New York City. With these and other stories, I'm Paul D'Arienzo with the news for Thursday, October 13th, 2022. A jury in Connecticut awarded nearly $1 billion damages to the families of 8 of the 20 victims killed in the 2012 Sandy Hook shooting and an FBI agent who responded. The verdict is the second big judgment against InfoWars conspiracy promoter Alex Jones. During a split-screen broadcast of the hearing on his own InfoWars web TV show, Jones scoffed, Do these people actually think they're getting any money? 55 million dollars
1: Yeah
2: uh, Initial
0: Never said their name
1: Don't know who they are
0: A Defamation Slash Slander damages Past and future 24 million dollars Yeah, B emotional, future, million. yeah. Adjusts, million yeah. Million. B emotional distress damages Past and future 30 million dollars Yeah Total 54 million dollars Yeah By juror number
1: one 10 million dollars
0: B Emotional distress damages Past and future Eighteen million eight hundred thousand
2: dollars. Good, good.
0: Total fair, just, and reasonable damages to plaintiff Jacqueline Martin and against Alex Jones and Free Speech Systems at line A and line B, twenty-eight million eight hundred thousand dollars. Initialled by Jeremy Get those Brown.
1: numbers up. To plaintiff Mark Martin, two hundred fifty-seven million right now. oh go. More,
0: more than past future, twenty-five million dollars. That's better. B. Emotional distress damages, past and future. Never
1: said their names, all made up. (laughs) No, hilarious.
0: Jones has admitted he falsely accused the victims of being involved in a government hoax. He calls some of the victims and their families crisis actors hired to portray themselves as legitimate victims. Eric Lafferty is a daughter of Sandy Hook's principal. She said the verdict made her hopeful.
1: I'm incredibly proud and thankful for the message that was sent here today. The truth matters. And those who profit off of other people's pain and trauma will pay for what they have done there will be more Alex Joneses in this world but what they learned here today is that they absolutely will be held accountable
0: Jones faces multiple legal problems he has also been under scrutiny from the House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol There's one more defamation case against Jones in the pipeline, while a judge in today's case could increase the award with punitive damages. On Wednesday, the White House released its national security strategy, outlining President Joe Biden's priorities for dealing with global challenges. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters the world is at an inflection point, adding the post-Cold War era is over. But he said the United States would avoid multiple proxy wars with its chief rival, China.
1: During the Cold War, we turned a lot of different regions in the world into proxy battlegrounds between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. And we basically treated countries according to where they fit into that kind of larger proxy dynamic rather than treating them on their own terms. And one of the points I made in the speech, one of the points the strategy really lays out is that a successful approach to dealing with competition with the PRC means not making countries choose sides, not dividing the world into rigid blocks, and not making our relationship with countries kind of dependent on this some kind of proxy fight between the U.S. and the PRC, but rather having an affirmative agenda that is rooted in the best of what American foreign policy can be, a problem-solving mindset about the things that those countries are facing. And the more we can deliver on that, the more we can have confidence in ourselves that our offer that we can make to those countries of investment rather than extraction, of cooperation rather than coercion, is going to win out in the end without us having to, to turn it into a proxy battleground. That is how we're going to be most successful.
0: Sullivan said the two big challenges facing the United States are competition between major powers and transnational challenges like climate change, food insecurity, and infectious diseases. Sullivan also said the U.S. and its allies would leverage their unity to confront China.
1: The most significant vehicles through which the United States is operating in the Biden administration are vehicles of like-minded democracies, NATO, the G7, the USEU Trade and Technology Council, the Quad, um, AUKUS. But we can both build out that architecture and effectively infuse energy and support for uh, the democratic and the free world while at the same time working with a range of countries uh, to help solve problems that matter to all of us and for which cooperation requires us reaching beyond just countries that share our political system
0: the administration is also in the middle of a potential upheaval in its relationship with saudi arabia ever opec plus slashed oil supply propping up prices and helping russia in an interview over the weekend biden said saudi arabia would face consequences Meanwhile, in war news, Ukraine officials say the region surrounding the capital, Kyiv, was struck by Iranian-made kamikaze drones this morning. The government said critical infrastructure was hit, but was silent on the details. Attacks on Kyiv had become rare before the capital city was hit at least four times during Monday's massive strikes, which killed at least 19 people and wounded more than 100 across the country. I'll be talking with the Ukrainian journalist who lives in Kyiv later in the broadcast. Meanwhile, the United Nations General Assembly overwhelmingly approved a resolution on Wednesday telling Russia its annexation of four regions in eastern Ukraine is illegal and not valid. Also yesterday, there was a meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group at NATO headquarters in Brussels. Afterwards, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin glossed over a question about long-range anti-aircraft missiles for Ukraine, implying the war might last a while.
2: As long as the conflict goes on, there will always be uncertainty. So it's very difficult to predict exactly when it's going to be safe to move about, move in and out of the country. And I know that you're concerned about your family. Certainly that's understandable. But we're going to do everything we can as fast as we can to help the Ukrainian forces get the capability they need to protect the Ukrainian people. That's very, very important to us.
0: Chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, praised Ukraine's fighters and promised more weapons. And the discussions at this contact group today were about meeting Ukraine's current needs and also supporting them in the long haul. We focused on air defense, on cannon artillery, rocket artillery, maneuver, tanks, infantry fighting vehicles, armored personnel carriers, also discussed training, and a wide variety of non-lethal support. These systems and the associated ammunition are critical. Ukraine to continue the fight. And they are employing these weapons
1: extremely well.
0: About 50 nations participated at the NATO meeting on bolstering Ukraine's air defenses two days after Russian missiles rained on Kyiv and other cities across the country. A Ukrainian journalist in Kyiv is Maria Pirisenko. She tells the news the missile attacks on the capital came as a surprise.
3: We're staying there almost like four hours till Twelve o'clock, so till noon, because air raid siren alarm was still continuing and going, and we were monitoring with all the neighbors in the bomb shelter all the news, and it was really you know terrifying to see that oh one strike is like in the city center, like the the busy crosswalk in the city center, and then another strike hit some thermal power plant in one of the districts of Kiev, and another missile hit. Also in the city center, but like other districts, which is kind of like historical one. Then we see all the news that Lviv, which is the city in the western Ukraine, was also targeted, and the uh, critical infrastructure, the power uh, lines were cut off. And then you see other news that striking Dipro, striking Krivirich, which is eastern part of Ukraine. And you know, everybody in my bomb shelter, all my neighbors who weren't scared, you know, or frightened or something, everybody were like, okay. So here we go again, this type of feeling, not like being scared of, but being more, I say, bored of all this senseless, massive missile attacks. And what was really beautiful to see is that online, just in half an hour after the first strikes were starting to hit, Oh, Ukrainian cities, you were seeing videos of people in bomb shelters, in metro stations, which are used as bomb shelters, like living their normal life, trying to do their work, working with laptops, buying some stuff online, just sitting under, you know, shelling in bomb shelter, or singing uh, Ukrainian national songs, or Ukrainian national anthem, just, you know, inside the metro station, subway station. You were seeing people saying, okay, it's time to donate even more to help Ukrainian army. And if you know something about Ukrainians over this 7 months of full-scale um, invasion, you know that volunteering to help the army, donations to help the army, are really kind of a part of almost culture right now.
0: She described what it's been like to rush to bomb shelters. Many are located in subway stations, huddled with friends, neighbors, and strangers, waiting for the all-clear.
3: We're staying there almost like four hours till 12 o'clock so till noon because air raid siren alarm was still continuing and going and we were monitoring with all the neighbors in the bomb shelter all the news and it was really you know terrifying to see that oh one track is like in the city center like the the crosswalk in the city center and then Another strike hit some thermal power plant in one of the districts of Kiev. and another missile hit also in the city center, but like other districts, which is kind of like historical one. Then we see all the news that Lviv, which is the city in the western Ukraine, was also targeted, and the critical infrastructure, the power lines were cut off. And then you see other news that striking Dnipro, striking Krivili, which is Eastern part of Ukraine, and you know, everybody in my bomb shelter—all my neighbors—who weren't scared, you know, or frightened or something—everybody were like, "Okay, so here we go again." This type of feeling, not like being scared of, but being more—I say—bored of all these senseless, massive missile attacks. And what was really beautiful to see is that online, just in half an hour after the first strikes were starting to hit. Oh, ukrainian cities you were seeing videos of people in bomb shelters in metro stations which are used as bomb shelters like living their normal life trying to do their work working with laptops Buying some stuff online, just sitting under, you know, shelling in bomb shelter, or singing uh, Ukrainian national songs, or Ukrainian national anthem, just, you know, inside the metro station, subway station. You were seeing people saying, okay, it's time to donate even more to help Ukrainian army. And if you know something about Ukrainians over this 7 months of full scale invasion, you know that volunteering to help the army, donations to help the army are really kind of a part of, almost culture
0: right now. Russian President Vladimir Putin has repeatedly raised the specter of using tactical nuclear weapons in Ukraine, although the term is a misnomer since even the smallest bombs are incredibly powerful. President Biden has also warned of Armageddon, the biblical term for the end of the world, if nuclear weapons are used in a conflict. Peresenko says the threats of nuclear war are just another day in the life of a Ukrainian civilian.
3: Over the recent three weeks or even months, there have been really a lot of talks about nuclear threat, about what if Russians would make some explosions on the Parisian nuclear power plant, what if Russians use tactical nuclear weapon or something. And it is also like a part already of memes and jokes for now. We had this even very strange... Kind of uh, joke on social media, which went viral and out of control. Uh, there was a joke, or not a joke? I don't know really. That um, people uh, in Kiev are planning to organize kind of uh, sex parties if nuclear weapon is used by Russia. So you know, like so. After this joke uh, was all over internet, and the hill which was supposed to be used is called shekavitsa so it's one of historic places in Kyiv. And people like went viral and these jokes were kind of all over the place and people even collected donations for the ukrainian army by getting a link to a secret group where people were kind of supposed to plan this part so really crazy and um it is like if you talk about uh, morale of ukrainians and people in kiev we are not scared we talk a lot about possibility of nuclear strikes but we understand that it will be kind of very stupid of Russians. Everybody expects them to do this, so they normally don't do what they're expected to do. If you are talking about this, to talk seriously about this, really we at uh, the Charity Foundation, which I work at, we had like a nuclear threat kind of training, I would say, or I guess... uh, we were told just what to do if anything happens. So you have this kind of concept of a triangular of safety or of life. Um, it means you have to hide near the wall against the side of explosion. So this is the place where you won't be hit by explosion waves and by debris caused by nuclear explosion. Uh, one thing that I remember out of this is you have 15 minutes after explosion to hide uh, in a bunker or in a flat and to, like, close everything because in 15 minutes the clouds of nuclear dust will um, go down to Earth and it will be, like, the biggest threat. And then you have to stay out of the streets in a bunker at least one full day, uh, better two full days. After that, you can walk out and change your clothes every time you walk out. It's just mind-blowing for me just talking about this with you right now, you know, standing right now in the city center of kiev and understanding that the nuclear threat is now our kind of reality but if you talk um, also like politically ukraine uh, president zelensky did warn russia about this and uh, president biden did warn russia about risks of using nuclear any type of tactical or strategic weapons and missiles and we see right now that russia hasn't, you know, run out of other ways other than nuclear to distress Ukraine and to show, kind of, to flex muscles and everything. After of February, nobody in Ukraine can say, oh, no, this won't happen because the war actually started. So we are not sure that Russia won't use a nuclear power, a nuclear, uh, sorry, um, weapon of any type. They still have control over the Paris power plant, which has a lot of nuclear threat in it if exploded for now, people are still calm about nuclear threat, but uh, you know some buying gas masks or buying special type of pills you have to take if nuclear attack is happening, just you know to make sure your thyroids are okay. Uh, so
0: the iodine pills the iodine pills
3: yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I, iodine yeah are
0: they giving it, those out like, are, are they giving those uh, out
3: no 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 it's just a matter of your kind of safety and security you can go in uh, the pharmacy and buy it but Julia it's not like huge and the state officials are not telling Ukrainians like be prepared no 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 this uh, isn't happening right now people are aware it's kind of you know a matter of kitchen docks right now. If Russia uses it, what, you, what will you do? People are not fleeing Kiev, Ukraine now. So we aren't seeing what we have seen on uh, 21st of February. People kind of like are adjusted to live in this constant reality of threat and understanding that our neighbor is just crazy and anything can happen. For example, my family have uh, prepared a proper, you know, set of food, uh, a supply of food for kind of several I guess even months, it's like canned food, some, uh, you know, grains the, the stuff that you can keep in your pantry and in your uh, bomb shelter just in case. Because we understand that the threat of uh, power cuts and of cold winter and of uh, uh, living without electricity and heat is more, you know, viable and possible than nuclear threat. Yeah.
0: And Pirisenko adds Ukrainians are proud to resist Russia and accept the suffering because she says the country is at the front lines of defending democracy and what she calls Western values.
3: Right now Ukraine is doing the job which hasn't been done before, trying to fight back Russian empire ambition. Yes, it is the matter of a lot of losses, a lot of destruction and everything. It has become almost a casual thing for Ukrainians we kind of have this historical almost duty to fight for our common values supposed to be free world against russia which is kind of represents a singular past so yeah ukrainians are doing everything uh, for all the civilized world and we need to get our territories and our people back and this will be the end of this war Victory of Ukraine and huge uh, defeat of Russia. For Ukraine, the only choice for us is our victory. So we will fight to this moment.
0: Maria Piresenko is a journalist who lives in Kiev, capital of Ukraine. She described life under missile attacks over the last few days. Closer to home. New York City Mayor Eric Adams today signed Intro 56 legislation aimed at providing free kits containing the drug Narcan to clubs and bars in New York City to administer in the case of an opioid overdose. Naloxone is administered as a nasal spray blocking the effects of fentanyl or any other opiate. It's easy to use and has become widely distributed in some areas of the country. Mayor Adams had the bill signing today. And while our overdose prevention centers have been successful, intervening, 500 overdose uh, since opening, 500. Those are 500 lives we were able to save. Say. Uh, we can and we must do better, we must do more. And we must think differently about uh, how we address the issue and that's why we're here today. Those who are around or use drugs, will have the assistance that they need and the workers in the environment will also be empowered. That's why we're putting NOCAM behind every bar. So right next to the alcohol that's served, there's going to be Cam to help serve those who are dealing uh, with any form of drug overdose. The legislation was initially sponsored by Brooklyn City Council Member Chiasi, a former club manager. He says he's seen it all.
1: Prior to working in politics, I actually was a party promoter and worked in the nightlife industry. This is a bill that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, When I was coming into the council and thinking about what I wanted my first legislation to be, this one came to mind. Uh, A year ago, I lost a friend to a fentanyl overdose. And while it is unfortunate that that has happened to my personal life, that is not an isolated incident that New Yorkers are facing today. Not only do we see it on the streets here in our city, across the five boroughs, but there are families that are losing loved ones to fentanyl overdoses. So we are taking a step in the right direction to provide the training and the access to naloxone, to Narcan kits, to fentanyl test strips, so that we can keep all of us safe, so that we can keep New Yorkers safe, and so that we can, we can save a life and put someone on the right track uh, towards recovery.
0: Brooklyn City Council Member Chiasi, he's also a member of Black Lives Matter. And finally, Karine Jean-Pierre, the first openly gay White House press secretary, marked National Coming Out Day on Tuesday with a personal story, first in tweets and then with reporters. She said coming out wasn't an easy thing to do.
2: And so I wanted to start by sharing my own coming out story. Like so many in the LGBTQ community, coming out wasn't an easy thing to do. My family was traditional and conservative. Being gay in my family wasn't something that you mention out loud or celebrated. But my family, like many, many other families, grew to accept who I was. They saw that who I loved didn't change who I was as a person. It didn't change the things i liked to do, and it didn't change the goals I had for my life. The beauty of America is its freedoms, and the promise that you can achieve your dreams, no matter your race, sex, country of origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. This is something we continue to strive toward and fight for, particularly as we continue to see a wave of anti-LGBTQ legislation across the country. And it's why I'm so honored to serve the President and the First Lady who have stood with the LGBTQ community for many years and will continue to stand with all those who come out. And we are thinking about those who are coming out or those who are thinking about coming out, and we are here for you, and we will uh, continue to support you. Thank you.
0: Jean Pierre was born in Martinique in the Caribbean and then raised in New York. She has a daughter with partner Suzanne Melvo, a CNN correspondent. And that's the news for Thursday, October 13th, 2022. The news is produced and anchored by me, Paul DiRienzo. You can get the news at pauldirienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.